Y'all ready? I hope you're ready because I'm ready. It's going to be a fun day. Hey, let's go ahead and get to 1 Samuel 16 today. Um, your Bible, your phone, uh, whatever. Get to 1 Samuel 16. And as you're getting there, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about why VCC exists. We said for many years that VCC exists to grow and advance individuals and families. Only till recently did we kind of expand on that. I want you to know that we exist to grow and advance individuals and families. That's why you heard Miss Carrie say grow and advance a lot because we say that a lot. I believe that, you know, the gospel is about growing and advancing. And so we added a little bit to that this past, just, just recently, and it's to grow and advance individuals and families by declaring and demonstrating his gospel to everyone, every day, everywhere. Because the truth is, is that alone, we, we can't do a thing. Alone, we, we can't grow and advance anyone. We have to have his gospel, and we have to declare and demonstrate that everyone to everyone, every day, everywhere. Awesome. All right, stand with me real quick, and we're going to pray our prayer of 2019 together. If you don't know what that is, I know we've got some new faces here. This is a prayer that we've prayed every, well, we've skipped like one, I think. We missed one. But every Sunday of 2019, just declaring this over our day, over our week. So pray with me real quick. Say, awesome God, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Give me a heart to receive. All of the good things. All of the good things that you have already prepared for me. Amen. Have a seat. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 16. It's kind of a long passage, so we're going to read the Bible today. You did come to church, so I hope that's okay. 1 Samuel 16, 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So Saul was the king of Israel. Samuel was a prophet of God, and God had rejected Saul because Saul wasn't acting very kingly, or like a good king anyway. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem and find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? It's kind of a weird spot. I'm going to stop. The reason the elders of the community came trembling is because oftentimes when a prophet would come in the Old Testament, they didn't bring such good news. They brought sometimes news that, you know, listen, God's not super happy with you right now. So that's why they met him. They saw him, and they said, oh, my gosh. It's Samuel. We need to find him at the gate. That's not the point of our message today, but I just wanted to pause there so that you didn't get confused. Samuel's not a bad guy, but sometimes people weren't acting right, and he had to bring some interesting news to them. So, uh, verse 5. Yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. So he looked at his outside, one of Jesse's sons, and said, surely this guy is going to be the king. He looks like a king. He smells like a king. He talks like a king. He's got to be the king. 
But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. But Samuel said, neither is the, this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven, seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel, obviously and probably confused a little bit, looks up and he says, are these all the sons that you have? And Jesse replied, There is still the youngest, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So... As David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David on that day. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. I'm going to share with you today seven, say seven, ways that I can guarantee you that you will not grow in advance. This is not a negative message, but like I told my leaders this morning, it's coming from kind of like a negative spot. Like, this is the way, if you want to not grow in advance, do these things. And this is how we're going to close out our series, Grow. Now, this seven things, it's not an all-inclusive list, but I think that it's, a, it's an important list because it lists some common characteristics for this day and age. So basically, you see Samuel, a prophet of God, and he's been commanded by God to go and anoint the next king. And so he goes out and he finds this man named Jesse as he was commanded by God to do. And he, uh, he, he's just watching, his, watching his Jesse's sons go past and past and past, thinking, When's, when, when's, when is God going to prompt me? When is he going to tell me? And then finally, they call this boy who wasn't even invited in the first place to come and have the opportunity to stand before Samuel up. And it is David after all. You know, I, I have a tendency to get impatient. Does anyone else have a tendency to get impatient? Okay, okay. All right, that's in general. I have a tendency to get impatient with God. Does anyone have a tendency to get impatient with God? Okay, a few honest people in this house. Hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. Okay, I do. Jesse, or not Jesse, Samuel had just went a long way. He was a little worried. Do you know that? Because he asked, you know, God, what if they find out what I'm going to do? Saul's going to kill me. And he came all this way, and he's got his oil, and he's like, this dude looks like a king. God's like, no. Then again, this guy looks like a king. No. This guy looks like a king. No. What about this guy? He's he's a little scrawny, but he might be smart. No. And, and, And seven times he was told no. Seven times he said, no, that's not the king. No, that's not going to be the, nope, that's not the guy. I have a tendency to get impatient with God, but here's what I see Samuel do. He doesn't get impatient with God. He waits. And I, and I imagine he's confused because he knows at this point in his life that God told me there would be someone to anoint here. That's why I think he asked. He didn't go to through all seven and say, well, let's start over and try again and see, let's start at the beginning and see if, if I missed it the first time. No, he said, is, it, is there no one else? 
So he doesn't get impatient. I think he doesn't get impatient because Samuel understood how important the oil that he had in his hand was. He understood how important the calling and what God had given him was. So he was like, I'm not going to get impatient with this thing. It's valuable. It's what I've been called to do. Okay. Now let me preface this message to say that I'm not overly excited to talk about it. Uh, We were having dinner last night with some friends, and I said, tomorrow I'm going to be talking about oil. This is not what I planned to talk about. I actually came across some notes from like 2015 that led me to this, to what I'm going to talk about today. I'm still talking about oil, but it's taken a very different thing. I'm not overly excited to talk about it because it's a tough one for me, and I battled with God on it. And in the midst of the battle, I came across something neat, and I want to share it with you real quick, and it's a, it's a poem by someone, uh, someone anonymous that they didn't put their name on it, but it goes like this, and it's just titled, Your Calling. And it says, Your calling is going to crush you. If you are called to mend the brokenhearted, you are going to wrestle with brokenheartedness. If you are called to prophesy, you are going to struggle to control your mouth. If you are called to lay hands, you will battle spiritual viruses. If you are called to preach and teach the gospel, you will be sifted for the wisdom that anoints your message. If you are called to empower, your self-esteem will be attacked and your successes will be hard fought. Your calling will come with cups, thorns, and sifting, all necessary for your mantle to be authentic, humble, and powerful. Your crushing will not be easy because your assignment is not easy. Your oil is not cheap. Your calling is not cheap. What God has given you and you alone was not cheap. Your calling and your passion for your calling comes through a lot of cost. Oil comes from resisting temptation. Oil comes from thousands of hours in prayer. Oil comes from sleepless nights battling unseen things. My oil is mine and yours is yours. They're different, but they're still so important. This is going to be, I think today is, is probably one of the toughest messages I've ever had to, had to teach and I had to come to a realization uh, just a couple of years ago that, that like, I, I want you to like me because I like to have friends, but I don't have to have you like me. Um, someone told me that if I wanted people to like me, that I sh- then I should have become an ice cream man and not a pastor. So that's why we have Sunday Sunday every year. It reminds you that you're supposed to like me. But it's more important to me that I share some truth with you today than you like maybe what I'm sharing. Now, I am happy See? Smile back. I'm happy. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. No one hurt my feelings this week. Nothing like that. So don't be sitting there like, he's talking to somebody. Somebody did something this week. No. This is just what God said needed to be shared. And I think we're going to find ourselves in the midst of some of these seven things. So let's go ahead and dive in. You will not grow in advance if you choose to stay uninformed. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. It's not okay to turn uninformed into an art form. It's it's not okay not to grow in advance. It's not okay to stay stagnant. It's not okay to desire ignorance. At some point, like that is crazy. I think some people actually desire ignorance. They don't want to know. Don't tell me. Because that might cause me to need to change. And I don't want to change. 
I don't like where I'm at, but I don't, you know, what I know is comfortable even though it's uncomfortable. But at some point, you've got to step up. In my house, I don't know isn't an acceptable response. Okay? If you are saying, I don't know, that means two things. You haven't taken the time to find out, or you haven't been paying attention. Boom. Okay. The only people who drop mics are people who have never had to buy mics, okay? So we don't drop them here. Okay? If you don't know, it's because you haven't taken the time to find out, or you haven't been paying attention. You will not grow in advance if you choose to stay uninformed. One. Two, you will not grow in advance if you're a complainer. Any complainers in the house? No? Good. Okay. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corruption, no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. That says your mouth should be graceful. Complaining drives away every positive influence in your life. Okay, I'm going to try over here. Hey, guys, complaining drives away every positive influence in your life. Try the middle. Okay. Complaining drives away every positive influence in your life. Amen. Thank you. Okay, and let me tell you a secret. Complainers, complainers only have companions. They don't have friends. And the only companions of a complainer are complainers. Misery loves company, but misery ain't got no friends. Okay? And if, there, if you have somebody who's cl- complaining to you, then there is a 99.9999999999% chance that they're complaining about you. Complaining drives away every positive influence in your life, and you will not grow in advance if you are a complainer. You will not grow in advance if you refuse to embrace racial diversity. This is important, guys. Look around. You will not grow in advance if you refuse to embrace racial diversity. John 3.16 says, For God so lifted one of the first passages of Scripture I ever remembered. And the first few words are so powerful. For God so loved the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus, yeah. Right? And I have to say that because to grow in advance, you have to not only have a heart for your people group or people that look like you, you have to have a part, a heart for every single person in this world because this gospel is for everyone, every day, and everywhere. For God so loved the world. The world. His gospel saves, heals, and delivers exactly the same for a white person, black person, brown person, and so on. You will not grow in advance if you refuse to embrace racial diversity. Not just, I recognize, I embrace it. Okay, you will not grow in advance if you rob the next generation of hope. I like this one. If you rob the next generation of hope. Listen, I am 30 years old and I have lived through at least two second comings of Christ. 
I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But since I was, I was born in 1988, and there was a book in 1988 published, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 88. Still here. Okay? Um, that's one. Y2K made it through that puppy. Okay? We had our bomb shelter and our stocked up food, but we made it. And then the blood moons in 2014. I might be in the apocalypse right now. I don't know. But I tell you all of those things because when we focus so heavily on that gloom and doom, we rob the next generation of hope. So you might not hear me harp and, and talk about that gloom and doom type stuff very often. Jesus is coming back. Don't get me wrong. I'm pumped. I'm excited. Whoop, whoop. But I will not rob the next generation of hope. I'm going to speak immense hope always and every single day. Why? Because I learned a minute ago that my mouth should be graceful. And people should be edified when they hear my words. So we've got to stop casting shade on the next generation and start casting our mantle on the next generation. We've got to start pouring hate onto the next generation. Oh, it's thinking millennials. Generation, why you got to be like that? Generation, why you ask so many questions? And start pouring anointing oil on the next generation. Guys. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's finger licking good. Acts 2.17 says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. I am convinced, and I say this all the time, that the greatest generation is the next generation. The greatest sermons are yet to be preached. The greatest revivals are yet to be hosted. The greatest days of the church are yet to be led. The greatest ministries to change the world are yet to be planted. The pastor and people that will take Venture Community into her most prosperous seasons are currently in the prayers of mamas and daddies, are currently in Venture Tots, are currently in King Fu, and are currently attending Avenue Student Ministry. Guys! I believe, I do believe that the best years are ahead, but it is great here and now. Do not rob the next generation of hope. I was sitting one day, and I don't know what was going on, but every now and then I listen to my kids when they don't know that I'm listening to them. I'm just practicing for when they're teenagers, okay? And I heard Reese at the end of the table talking to Riley, and she said, Riley, anything's possible if you believe. It's like we say in Venture Kids, even though we're little, we can do Big things. I love that kids can be kids and they just believe it. What happened to us as adults when we forgot? You will not grow in advance if you rob the next generation of hope. You will not grow in advance if you have a stingy heart. Okay, this is the one where y'all are going to have a you're going to want to tune me out. Don't do it, okay? You will not grow in advance if you have a stingy heart. Listen, if you don't believe in tithes, offerings, generosity, I'm not going to argue with you about it. That's fine. That's you. Go ahead. You do you. Okay? But I can tell you that my family is living in a second generation of generosity. And never once growing up in my home did I ever truly have want. Never once in my home since I've been married have we ever truly had want. Jesse and I have chosen, chosen, it's a choice, to pay, not pay, but to give our tithes our first fruit, our alms and our seed giving. Since we were married, since we were making $50, our first ministry gig was huge. We made $50 a month. 
and it was 120 miles round trip. Gas was $4 a gallon. You want to know how much money we made? Negative $13.23 or something like that every single week. How you tithe off negative? I don't know. But God continued to provide because we made the decision and the choice to have generous hearts. I can't convince you to have a generous heart. All I can convince you is of this. All I can tell you is this, that my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. My God supplies everything in this year alone. And I'm going to tell you some stories, and these aren't stories like to brag, but I think that the best way to break through walls and the best way to overcome things is by testimony. I can't tell your testimony. I can only tell mine. This year, we have received more blessing than we have ever received before. Jesse and I were headed to vacation just a few months ago, okay? When we were going to vacation, I started doing the thing, you know, that I, I tried to do the dad thing. Growing up when we were ever leaving, it didn't matter if we were going to Jacksboro. Dad would go out. He was checking the oil. He was checking the tires, you know, uh, rotating them. It didn't matter where we were going. He was always checking that oil. I didn't understand exactly why, but I was trying to do the dad thing. I went out and I did the 27-point inspection around the car, and our tires were looking a little rough. And I said, well, I didn't budget to buy new tires, but we're going to have to get some new tires. Okay, a couple weeks later, right before we went on vacation, we get a phone call. Hey, uh, I want you to come up here. I just bought you new tires. So suddenly I don't have to worry about the tires anymore. God took care of it for me. Not only did somebody buy our tires, but somebody bought us a warranty on the tires. Not only did somebody buy our tires, but they bought better tires than I was going to buy. Okay? At the beginning of the year, I got rid of our barbecue pit because it was looking janky. And I was like, nobody wants to eat off that thing anymore. Okay, and this was not a matter of me not having the money to go buy a barbecue pit. This was a matter of me not knowing which one I wanted. And I would go and I would look and I would think, I don't know about that. I did have a budget I wanted to work in. And me and Jesse went and we would look at how many times. Okay, and and, and then one day somebody calls and says, hey, I'm going to come by your house. And they get out and they say, hey, I got this for you. And it was this little like tailgater looking fit in a box about this big and, they, and I was like dude that's awesome I was so excited I was like I'm gonna go buy the legs for that thing right now because it was one that just like sits on the back of your truck I don't have a truck so I need some legs so I was gonna get me legs and he goes oh hey so he goes hold up don't go get your legs you can just mount it on this thing and he opens the bed of his truck and it's this monster grill it's like bigger better it was awesome and I love it but I didn't have to buy it God said I see that you have a need and a want I'm gonna take care of that for you about February of this year, our stove quit working. It didn't quit working naturally. It quit working because I took it apart and thought I could do some stuff. But it was right around softball season. And in my house in softball season, you don't eat at home anyway. So I told Jesse, I said, I don't want to buy a new stove right now. Let's just not, okay? So we didn't have a stove in our house for like four months. You might be sitting there like, that's weird. Okay, we ate out three meals a day. It was softball season, okay? It was rough, okay? I'm feeling it. But anyways, um, somebody gets wind of this. I don't know. We get, we get a phone call, and, uh, and they say, hey, we're going to take care of that stove for you. We're going we're gonna to buy this stove for you. And I look at Jesse, and this is like the third time this year that this has happened. I look at her, and I said, Jesse, people think we're poor. You see, it's, see I, 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 I forgot to put this on my list, but somebody did the same thing. They bought us a, washing, a, a dishwasher, okay? I'm like, if I keep being, pro, if I keep being a procrastinator, somebody's going to buy me a new car. It's going to be a good day, Right? Okay, we, we go on vacation, and, and someone ha- covers the lodging on our vacation. 
I get a call one day from the CFO of our company, and he says, hey, tomorrow we need to have a, I work a second job in, in sales support. They say, hey, we need to have a conversation tomorrow. Can you be on this phone call? I say, yeah. I called Jesse, and I said, Jesse, I'm getting fired. <laughs> like, that's what I thought. I said, I am getting fired. We better start putting in applications now. I'm like looking at Pizza Hut, wherever else. I'm like, I am, this it. It's over. And so I get on the phone tomorrow, and I'm totally prepared. Like, I'm like, I'm getting fired. I'm good with it. I'll trust, you know, Father God, whatever. Done my, done my prayer that morning. And I uh, get on the phone, and they start telling me what a good job I'm doing. And I start thinking, I, I am doing a good job. You know, my tune changes a little bit. I'm not, I'm not getting fired anymore, apparently. Or they're just messing with me. One of the two. And... You know, I, I was thinking, okay, this is a good opportunity. While they're building me up, I'm going to ask for more money. You know, I was going to get fired five minutes ago. Now I am highly valuable. So I was sitting there, and, and, and they said, so here's what we want to do. We want to promote you. And I was like, yeah, you do. And they said, and so we're going to email you over real quick, the offer. And, and they sent me the email, and they said, did you get the attachment? I said, yes. And I opened it up, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And they said, listen, we know cost of living is like 2.8%, but that's going to fall about 22.8%. Is that okay with you? And I was like, you know, let's just push it up to 25. No, I was like, 22%? I got a 22% raise, and I thought I was going to get fired. And I'm not that good, guys. But God is. And God knew that we were going to have a baby, and I'm going to have to pay cash for that baby. Guess what it's going to be? About 22%. That's what it's going to cost, okay? So all I can tell you is those stories. And I believe that God blesses us to be blessings. I believe that every resource I'm giving is not my own, but it's mine to manage. And God is constantly watching and seeing, is he faithful with that? And I talk to people all the time. He says, well, when I make this much money, I'll start giving. And all I want to say is, no, you won't. Because it's heart, guys. Generosity is about the heart. And I can tell you that when you give, God opens up the windows of heaven and your storehouses overflow. One time, Sonic doesn't do this anymore, and I don't know why, but they used to sell a family pack of cheese sticks. Did anyone ever buy those? We bought them all the time, okay? They were huge. It was like 20 cheese sticks in a bucket, okay? And it was so exciting in our car when that happened. One time, and it was a few years ago, we bought the family pack of cheese sticks, and I did the dad thing. I opened up the ranch. I opened up the marinara. I handed it to the back seat of the girls, and I gave them one cheese stick apiece. Riley took like a bite of her cheese stick and said, Daddy, will you hold this for me? And I said, yeah, and I held it, and then I did the dad thing again, and I ate it. And she looked up, and she was so mad, and she said, Dad, you ate my cheese stick. And she got caught crossways, crossed her arms, got all upset. And I wanted to turn around and say, I bought the cheese sticks. But I turned around and I said, baby, you don't know that I got 19 cheese sticks up here. So, yeah, I took a bite of your cheese stick. Here's 19 more. Okay, how often do we do that with God? God, you want my cheese stick? You can't have my cheese stick. And he's in the front seat saying, if you just give me that one, I'll give you 19. With some sauce. You will not grow in advance if you have a stingy heart. That is ridiculous. Number six, you will not grow in advance if you're a mean person. 
Luke 10, 27, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. I don't think I have to spend a lot of time on here because I know toddlers who know when they're being mean and when they're not. Okay? Do you want to know how righteous you are, how holy you are? Look in the mirror and ask yourself, how nice am I? How kind am I? And I will tell you how righteous and holy you are right there. I'm going to try that again. You want to know how holy and righteous you are? Ask yourself how nice you are. Okay? Sunk in? Good. Billy Graham said this, it's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And it's Curtis Ribble's job to love. He didn't say my name, but you can put your name there. It's God's job to judge, the Holy Spirit's job to convince, and it's my job to love. Jessie tells her students this all the time. You might know this about my sweet, lovely wife, Jessie, but she was not nice in high school. She was a mean girl. I'm pretty sure the movie was based off of her life. Um, she was all like sweatpants for Thursday and stuff like that. She was very, very into that. Well, here's what happened. God called us back to Graham America to plant a church, and suddenly Jesse, the pastor's wife at Venture Community Church, has to look people in the eye at the grocery store that she was mean to in high school, and she has to go back to them and say, I'm so sorry for the way I acted. I'm so sorry I treated you so poorly. You didn't deserve that. Listen, you will not grow in advance if you are a mean person. Can I have the worship team come back up here, please? I'll just pick a song, lead us, I don't know. You will not grow in advance. Seven, this is the last one. If you minimize the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. You will not grow in advance if you minimize the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, none of these other things matter if you're minimizing the Holy Spirit at work in your life. We need the Holy Spirit. We need healing. We need the miraculous. We need the supernatural. We need prophecy. We need the fruits. We need the giftings. I heard it said that you don't need the Holy Spirit to get into heaven. You need the Holy Spirit to go to work. You need the Holy Spirit to wait in line at Walmart. You need the Holy Spirit to love your kids. Okay, the Holy Spirit makes your life a little bit better, so stop minimizing the importance of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because if we minimize the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we can't have the fruit of the Spirit. So we can't have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We can't operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I put this, and I love this, we can't wield the power of the Holy Spirit. As a church, if we fail to maximize his power, we cannot, we will not grow and advance anyone. As a person, if you minimize or you fail to maximize the Holy Spirit's power in your life, you will not, you cannot grow and advance anyone. Why did I tell you all of this today? Because just as Samuel had a calling and an oil and a purpose, I have one, you have one. God has a calling for you, and I want to see you get there more than anything. God has a calling for you, and it isn't cheap. God has a calling for you, and it isn't insignificant. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 says that when you speak to God, stand with me today, and you begin to ask him that he can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine according to the power that it has worked within us. It is a greater calling. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a greater calling. 
It's a big calling. It's an exciting calling. Your oil was not cheap, guys. God has great big plans. Close your eyes. I want to pray with you real quick. The team's going to lead us. Father God, I thank you for every person here. God, I thank you for their oil. I thank you for the calling on their life. God, I ask that they would grow in advance today. God, that the words that I spoke would be your words, that they would take root in hearts and lives. God, that as they leave this place, they will be the best versions of themselves today. God, that you would soften hearts, that you would change lives, that you would make us better people. God, that you would make us more like you. God, that we would see righteousness, not because we are good, but because you are amazing. God, we praise you. God, we thank you. Move in this house in the next few minutes. Send your Holy Spirit like rain in this place, God. Move mightily. God, we praise you. We love you. Lead us, guys.